Welcome to the Animation Podcast, an official podcast of Filmbook. The Animation Podcast is a weekly animation news podcast that reports on the latest animation movie and TV show news. Oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, wouldn't you say so, Epic Voice Man? You know, a lot of people think that he's just a uh, recording that we put in the beginning. He's actually right here with me. He says the same thing the exact same way every time, and then it's silent the rest of the episode. But he's right here. We even have the orchestra playing the music behind him. Oh, gosh. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Animation Podcast, now in December, in Christmas time. It is a weekly podcast about all things animation, brought to you by the lovely folks over at Filmbook. My name is Ephraim Bernie. If you are tuning into the Animation Podcast for the first time, what I do on this podcast is discuss the current week's animation news, both the naughty and the nice. Um, you can find more The Animation Podcast episodes on Filmbook, that's film-book.com, by using the search term The Animation Podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or another podcast service, please rate and review this episode. If you are listening to this podcast on YouTube, please like our video, subscribe, and consider becoming one of our patrons on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmbook. Your support helps us create even more engaging content. Oh boy. Well, folks, I'm excited that we made it. <laughs> we made it uh, to December, and uh, now we're going to start feeling a lot of those big, heavy hitting movies and releases that they, they like to hold out to the end of the year. Um, but before we, <laughs> before we dive into some very exciting new trailers and news and releases, um, we should talk about some of maybe the bigger things going on in the animation industry, and it... <laughs> In biggest news, it's maybe not the most wonderful time of the year if you are currently part of the Animation Guild, or TAG, as we've been calling it. Um, you probably aren't quite in the cheeriest of moods. Just this Friday, we received confirmation that TAG, which has been fighting for um, a raise in the minimum pay for animation writers and workers all week, has not reached an agreement with the Alliance of Motion P Picture and Television Producers. Um, they're known as... They don't have as nice of a acronym. They have... AMPTP, um, but they will have to, um, the two of them will have to continue fighting and, uh, continuing discussing the income that, uh, that animators really ought to have by this point after the holidays into early January of 2022. This might not sound like huge, exciting news to people out there listening, um, but this comes on the heels of the IATSE strike. Um, IATSE is another acronym for, I don't know what it technically stands for, but it's it represents um, all the, the technical and crew workers that work on movies. Um, that threatened to shut down all filming of major motion pictures back in October when the tech and crew people uh, were wanting to strike in order to increase their, uh, their wages each week and get better streaming deals. Uh, the Alliance for Crew Members reached a very, very shaky accordance with the Producers Association, but they have now set the stage for acting and writing and, indeed, for animation guilds to renegotiate their deals as well. So animators are pointing out that writers for cartoons and other animated properties are making half of what live-action television and movie writers are making. Along with wage increases, they really want to start battling against producers for... Um, uh, the producers and streamers, 
particular streaming platforms have this tendency to pay writers for one one season of um of animation only to like split up the episodes and make them into two or three seasons essentially they're conning the writers and workers of animation of animation into out of their standard pay increases from season to season and that goes it goes without saying but over here we at the animation podcast we support those writers and those workers and while it's frustrating that the deal could not be reached now i am confident that everybody will get what they want and our demands will be heard come 2022 um, in more lighthearted news, with the announcement of the Goya Awards, what is the equivalent of the, the Spain's Academy Awards, one animated film is standing out, but not for the reason that you would think. Last year, the Goya Awards nominated only one movie uh, in the Best Animated Film category, as there was only one animated film that came out last year in Spain. <laughs> the fact that the category was still presented in all of its glory felt so ridiculous to filmmakers Pablo Vara, um, Galan, Galan Galindo, and uh, Isao Dharma uh, that they came up with a practical joke. These are three uh, very reputed um, filmmakers in Spain. Um, but they came up with a practical joke. They quickly <clears throat> made an animated movie that fit all of the requirements for the Goya Awards as cheaply as they could. The film is called Gora Automaticao, um, or Automatic Gora, um, and, which is <laughs> an animated movie about three filmmakers trying to get their animated movie into the fictional Gora Awards. Um, and because only three other animated movies came out in Spain this year, Gora has been automatically nominated as well, cementing this as one of the best and most successful practical jokes ever pulled off in the film industry. I think that is hilarious. Even more hilarious, um, this is, I guess this isn't really a practical joke, but I think it's, I think it's funny. Maybe it counts as one. Um, after the whole, after all of Chris Pratt's castings this week, you guys probably saw this too on Twitter, um, uh, a new rumor started <laughs> roaming around that Chris Pratt would be voicing the Grinch. Um, and so many people lost it that they started checking it out, like, typing in Chris Pratt the Grinch and whatnot. And I don't know why, because it was fake. It wasn't real. He's not actually, anybody out there, if you're listening, you're, you're hearing it maybe first from me or somebody else, he's not actually voicing the Grinch. <laughs> we, we, we went ahead, we confirmed that he's not. Um, but when you Google Chris Pratt Grinch... You get this strange, you go to him at, like, it's, I guess it's a thing he posted on Twitter or something. It's him in, like, his underwear. <laughs> and so maybe he, maybe he's conned us all. Maybe he got us back. But all I can say is I am thankful that we have the Grinch still. Because that one, that one, <laughs> that one we, we lost with Benedict Cumberbatch. And I wasn't ready to lose him again so soon. Oh, boy. Anyway, we're moving on. We're moving on to the streamers and the big platforms. Marvel, DC, Disney, Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network is kind of part of HBO now. 
Those of you who have been listening to the podcast long enough um, maybe have noticed that I'd like to start each month with a list of episodes, new seasons, things that are coming out this month that you really ought to pay attention to if you like animation, or just, you know, give everybody a broad spectrum of things that they might want to pay attention to come December. Um, and uh, so I'll just go through the line, the list of, of streamers and whatnot, and then we'll get into some exciting news. Um, on Netflix... For anime fans, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later in the anime section, but uh, we we have uh, the new season of JoJo Bizarre, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That's coming out. That's Stone Ocean. It's with Jolene. That's our first girl JoJo, our first lady JoJo. Um, uh, this week, we've already had Sean the Sheep, The Flight Before Christmas. That came out on on Netflix. Um, that was a little special movie. I, if you like Sean the Sheep, I like that too. Um, we have the new season of Centaur World coming out. Uh, next week, um, I'm really excited. It's coming out soon. It's December seventh. Um, I'm not to spoil the rest of this episode, but I'm going to recommend Centaur World season one. That's going to be my pick of the week. Um, I think that I'll save it for later. But it's it's just a it's such a great crazy daring show trying so many different things. And I really appreciate that. Um, we've got let's see. We've got Saturday Morning All-Star Hits. That's coming out. That's with Kyle Mooney from SNL. It's going to be a weird kind of hybrid of... Um, it's going to be him, and I think he plays his own twin on it. I can't remember. I haven't seen the trailer. Um, but he... <laughs> and he kind of reviews All-Star... Like, um, Saturday Morning Cartoons. That comes out on December 10th. That could be a lot of fun. Um, we've got more Agritsuko Season 4. That's coming out on December 16th. And, um, let's see, on, on Disney+, Plus, we've already had the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie come out. I'm going to talk about that next week. Um, and then we have, the Ice Age movies are finally on Disney+, Plus now, if you want to watch that. We have Mickey and Minnie, Wish Upon a Christmas, if you've seen that. That's already all come out. Um, then, then we've got, um, Ron's Gone Wrong comes out on streaming, finally, on Disney+. Plus. With um, the Muppet Babies comes out <laughs> seasons three, episode four. We get finally with the Muppet Babies, um, and then Encanto, which is already out in theaters. But we will, if you if you're waiting to see it for free or for the price of Disney Plus every month, you will get it um, on December twenty fourth. That's when you get to see Encanto. Um, I should probably talk talk about that movie too at some point. Um, over on HBO Max, you've got Odo Season 1. Odo is about this cute little... It's like a kid's show. It's about this... It's I can't even describe how adorable this owl is. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, but that's Season 1 of that comes out. Um, Santa Inc. has already come out. That's the one with Sarah Silverman playing the elf that wants to replace Santa Claus. Um, Santa Claus is played by Seth Rogen. That seems... That seems like a, a, a gamble. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's better than Donkey Kong, maybe. I don't know. I didn't mind Donkey Kong as Seth Rogen. Um, uh, but that comes out on... That That has already come out, so you can start checking that out. We have this, the new season of Craig's Go, uh, Craig of the Creek. That's going to be... That's already yeah, started. Wow, okay, that already started. And then Ron's Gone Wrong. <laughs> Ron's Gone Wrong also comes out on HBO Max. That comes out December 15th. Um, on Apple TV, you have um, the new... This is something that you want to maybe pay attention to. Um, there's a finally a new Charlie Brown Christmas movie. For, it's called uh, Snoopy Presents Old for Old Lang Syne. Um, 
I don't know if you're, you know, I grew up with the Charlie Brown movies. I love those. I love seeing when they did a, a kind of a, a holiday thing. And I think for all that Apple TV's kind of limited repertoire and limited reach of anything, I think they have done a pretty good job of maintaining those characters as they are. So I appreciate that. Um, let's see, that's really the only thing up there. Oh, CryptoZoo, I talked about that, um, maybe not last week, but the week before, I can't remember, but CryptoZoo, um, Dash Shaw's, uh, weird little experimental movie, that comes out on Hulu, as well as all the Trolls movies, I think, yeah, the Trolls are coming out on, uh, in, on Hulu, and Peacock, has a bunch of kids' shows. <laughs> Peacock has a bunch of children's animation coming out. Um, it's A lot of it is How to Train Your Dragon, or, or Dragon Adjacent, and Alvin and the Chipmunks Adjacent. So you get all of that. Okay, um, so pay attention to that. That's going to be coming out. A lot of this, I don't know if you guys really watch Peacock. Um, but it's there, and they're developing stuff, actually, so that's, that's good. Um, let's see. Oh, and then... In other news, with the this is actually the kind of thing that I should have led with, but I wanted to get all that out of the way. Um, the big news is that if you watched the new um, Spider-Man <laughs> um, No Way Home movie, you probably saw um, towards the end of it, we got a little look at the new Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer, which is, to me, very exciting. Um, from what we see in this trailer, um, first of all, we know that it's coming out October 7th, I believe. I, let me double check my notes on that. Yes, October 7th, uh, 2022. Um, and from what we see in this, they're older. Miles and Gwen at least look a little older. Um, he's talking about a dorm room, but I guess, well, you know, he lived at home in the first one. So he's, he might be kind of... High he might be college age at this point. He looks taller to me. I don't know if that's just me. And, and Gwen's hair looks longer. Um, so we know that this is probably going to be at a more, at a time in his life where he feels more responsibility to maybe be Spider-Man or be a version of Spider-Man. I mean, in the first one, he just discovered that he had those powers. So it was kind of an, an origin to him and who he was. Now we're going to see maybe what it what it means to be Miles Morales as Spider-Man. Which I think could be a really cool thing once he starts really having navigated and etched out what his identity as Spider-Man is going to be. It's going to be only more interesting to see him play off of other Spider-Man across the multiverse. We see him kind of fall through a tube. It's kind of <laughs> kind of like he, he surfs into this weird tube that takes him across all the different universes. Um, and then he gets into some altercation it's hard to tell what it looks like it looked to me kind of like i don't know it looked kind of like um in the old Raimi movies or not Raimi, rammy um the old rammy movies um when venom took over spider-man like that body type but it was red and white so it, i don't think it's venom but it could be like some evil spider-man from another universe or whatnot seems to be getting into this big fight with um with him, with Miles. Let's see, who are the directors? We ha Yeah, I have the directors here pulled up. Um, the directors are Joaquim Dos Santos, uh, Kemp Powers, and Justin Thompson. Now, Joaquim has worked on stuff like um, Avatar, and um, he's been he's, he's done a lot of DC and, uh, DC and Marvel stuff before, I think. 
Yeah, he's done. He did all these different DC showcases, which was I think is gives us. We know that he can do the superpower stuff pretty well. He's great. Um, Kemp Powers is a really great. Um, he's a great director and writer. He worked on Soul. He's worked. He's written for uh, One Night in Miami, and he 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 has that kind of inside. Pardon the Pixar pun, but he's got that inside look into the, some of the biggest. Uh, into those big studios, and then you have Jumps Justin Thompson, um, who has worked. He worked in. Let's see. I've got him. I don't know as much about him. He worked on the first one. That's for sure. For sure, he worked on the first one, uh, into the Spider Verse, and he's done. Uh, oh, he's done Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and he's he's got a really extensive resume when it comes to art direction and um in the art department for animation. Oh, he worked on Camp Laszlo and the Powerpuff Girls and Clone Wars. Yeah, he's got. He, he's just a solid animator. He's he knows what he's doing, and I think this is exciting. I think this is an exciting group that we have here that can really bring the action of something like the Spider-Verse and the, the heart of these characters into something that could be really, I don't know, really mature and, I don't know, like moving. I'm very excited. I think everybody else should look forward to this one. I'm sure everybody already is. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm smoking long enough. I'm already 17 minutes in. Um, in anime, in anime news and trailers, in the world of anime, it's been hard to escape the colorful, campy, and should I say bizarre buzz that has been in the air ever since Netflix dropped the sixth part of the smash anime and cultural phenomenon, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, this newest season, uh, Stone Ocean is what it's called, focuses on Jolene Cujo. Um, the first lady protagonist of the Joestar bloodline. She is being sent to prison after she is framed for the death of her boyfriend. Uh, for 15 years, she is sentenced to live in a maximum security prison nicknamed the Aquarium. However, there is more to this prison than meets the eye. And after discovering a trinket that's sent to her from her father, Jolene discovers that her fa her family gifts just in time to survive her run in the clinker. Um, I'll be the first to admit I am I have not watched a lot of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but now that I get. Uh, to host this podcast, I'm interested in maybe giving this season a go and talking about the episodes for the next few weeks. I don't know, maybe we'll, if anybody likes it, let me know in, down in the comments if you're interested in something like that. Um, I, um, I'm watching this one, this, I don't know if all JoJo seasons are like this, but this one seems to be kind of veering into a horror direction, which is cool. I think a prison, a, like a maximum security prison, is a great setting for a horror movie. Um, and I'm sure, you know, JoJo, you know, it's, it's not going to be, it's going to be that signature style that they're known for, but there seems to be some kind of scary stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's just scary to me. Um, in other long running anime series news, we got a look this week at a teaser for the 25th Detective Conan film titled The Bride of Halloween, as well as its release date, April 15th, 2022. For those who don't know, that Detective Conan, also known as Case Closed, um, it's an anime and manga series about Jimmy Kudo, who is a high school detective prodigy who is tricked by a mysterious organization into taking a poison that transforms him into an elementary schooler. <laughs> um, Jimmy dons the name uh, Conan Edegawa and helps the local police solve crimes all while trying to return to his normal body. Now, that's like 25 films ago. 
Um, so now, after all that, and over, like, two and a half decades of story, Detective Conan's universe is much more complex than kind of that simple synopsis could ever really do it justice. I don't even know if he's really a... He's, he seems pretty resigned to just be him now as this kind of youngster. Um, and he's got all these teammates and friends and detectives and whatnot. But in the 25th film, Conan and his partners take on a kind of a Halloween-themed thriller as the wedding of two two of Conan's teammates is interrupted by an attack that feels eerily familiar to Conan and Detective Miwako Sato. Um, if you're interested in checking out the movie, you have five months to catch up on all of the previous movies. That is five films each month. <laughs> okay. In animation around the world news, because um, let's move on over to that. Um, guess what? There are more trophies for Flea, the animated documentary 16 years in the making. It's is continuing its campaign through the award circus. Circuit. The award circuit, not circus. That would be pretty I mean that would be cool too. Um this time it is racking up the best animated feature at the Manchester Award Animation Festival, the Manchester Animation Festival, and not nabbing three nominees for the upcoming Hollywood Critics Association Awards. The latter being particularly particularly impressive. Not to say that Manchester Animation Festival is not impressive. That's very impressive. That he, that Flea, and all those folks over there won it. Um, but what's impressive about the Hollywood's Critics Association is that Flea is nominated against Encanto, Luca, Raya, and Mitchell vs. the Machines. That is a stacked category. Three of those are Disney films that came out this month that any other year, not this month, but this year, that any other year would each be in the running for, like, the one to beat. Um, I'm not sure exactly what its chance, what Flea's chances are. Currently, with the release of Encanto, the newest Mouse House movie is just about all that anyone really wants to talk about. It's also worth noting, as more and more awards and nominations are being given out, Flea seems to be leaning on its documentary side, other than more than its animation side, as its, I guess its marketing team might think that it has a better chance of beating the, the documentary contemporaries this year than any of the box office powerhouses that American giants like Disney and Sony are pushing out. But, uh, who knows? Flea is really making a name for itself this year. If any film could be the one to beat out the precedence of handing Disney and Pixar a free Oscar for every year, I think it could be Flea. I mean, we already set the roots, speaking of Spider-Verse, that really kind of set the precedent that we could maybe see something different. Also, okay, over in India, which is already setting itself as up as a country to keep an eye on in this growing global animation market, one creator, Deve Agarwal, is trailblazing in a direction that I think is worth highlighting. In a feature article last week with Cartoon Brew, um, Agarwal spoke about his YouTube channel, Cooney Monday, or Bloody Monday in English, which routinely receives millions of views on his shorts depicting animated horror. Animation and horror is already something that we know has something of a niche following here in the States, and certainly much more in Japan. But over in India, where the focus seems to be mostly growing in sectors focused on children's entertainment, there's hardly anything in the realm of, of scares, really. Which Agarwal found disappointing, as Indian culture has a vast array of mythology and tales ripe for bone-chilling adaptations. So, when you consider the amount of traffic 
that you that this YouTube channel receives, it's blatantly obvious there is a market for co content like that. And one can only hope that these newer enterprising production companies over in India will pay attention to what Agarwal is doing on Cooney Monday and not not follow the blueprint that the American film and TV industry has made for dealing with YouTube content. As we have uh, we have a pretty bad track record when it comes to working with these independent creators. So, you know, good on you, uh, Agarwal. We're over here. I, I will spread, I will try and highlight your work as much as I can to the, 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 the limited audience that I have available to me right now. But good on you. Let's move on over to the home video and digital HD releases category. In Blu-ray and DVD, in Blu-ray, DVD, and, and, and VHS news, just kidding, there is no VHS news anymore. But in Blu-ray and DVD news, we have finally gotten that long-awaited release date for The Addams Family 2, the movie, uh, which is will be coming out on disc on January 18th, 2022. If you want to see Gomez and Morticia and Wednesday and Pugsley and Uncle Fester and Cousin It and Lurch and all those characters on their first family road trip across the country, this is one not to miss. Except if you don't want to see that, in in which case you, I would recommend missing it. <laughs> um, and for a bit of anime DVD news, North America is finally getting the final chapter of the popular manga and anime franchise Gintama in the feature film Gintama Gintama the Final Chapter. Or no, Gintama the Very Final. I'm sorry, that was it. Gintama the Very Final, which comes out digitally on January 25th and on Blu-ray, uh, uh, on a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack on February 8th, both in 2022, obviously, which you can start pre-ordering now with the Shout Factory if you want to get the exclusive poster that comes with it. This is the third and, and last film from creator Hideki, Hideki um, Sorochi's uh, hit an action series. Sorry again with these names. I don't know. Hideki, you are, you know, you have my salute. You've done, you really did it with this one, and I'm sorry I can't do your name right. Um, and if you so, if you get the combo pack, it comes with a 16-page booklet, booklet um, with the film's storyboards and art development artwork from the movie. So it's again not one to miss unless you aren't interested. In which case, go ahead and miss it. <laughs> um, okay. Lastly, let's review because I have a movie review for you and. You already know what it is because you see the it in the title, but I wanted to review Summit of the Gods. I know last week I already gave it a lot of attention. I recommended it, and then I talked about it in the Animation Around the World category. I wanted to talk about it again because, and I'll tell you why. Let me let, let me talk a little bit more about the the specs behind this thing. So first of all, if you don't already if you don't remember, uh, Summit of the Gods is directed by uh, Patrick Imbert. He also directed The Big Bad Fox and Other Tales, and he's worked on Ernest and Celestine, if you remember those. That was a lovely one. That was a lovely French movie. Um, it was written by Imbert Jean-Charles Jean Osterero, who hasn't, who hasn't, at least in any credits in my uh, book that I've done my research on, has uh, no other credits besides this one, really. Um, and then Magali Pouzol, oh, who she wrote... Um, she wrote uh, animated things like Funan, and then there was a movie called Delectable Delectable You. I don't think it was animated, but it was something that she wrote. And it's based on the manga ser series by Baku Yamamakura and uh, Jiro Taniguchi. 
Um, it has two two casts. Um, it's probably got a bunch of other casts, but there's two casts worth noting. Um, there's the French cast, which is um, by De- uh, Fukamachi, is voiced by Damien Boussou, uh, Boisseau, and um, Eric Herson Marsorel. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. Marsorel. Eric Herson Marsorel was the voice of Habu. Um, the other characters. These are the two main characters, or Fukamachi and Habu. In the English cast, Darren Barnett voices um, Fukamachi, and Rich Ting voices Habu. So, you have, these are the people that created this film. And I wanted to lead with this, and review this one this week, when, you know, I know that we could be talking about Flea some more, if I wanted to do something like you know, animation from around the world that I feel like I really ought to talk about that's getting exciting. Or I could talk about Encanto. It just came out. It's new. Everybody loved it. But in my opinion, you know, there are lots of films worth reviewing. But as this is my first chance to pick something to review for myself in over a month, I wanted to give this movie another push because I really did enjoy it. And I worry that its well-deserved hype is going to be overshadowed by these bigger movies like Flea and Encanto. And Summon of the Gods is just as good, I would say. is just as good as those movies. I'll give you a, a brief rundown on the story. The story for Summit is sort of an interesting beast to summarize anyway without spoiling things, but I'll do my best, the best that I can here. The narrative is mostly about a secretive mountain climber master named Habu Joji. Who took, to the comp- who took the competitive scene by storm, there's a competitive mountain climbing scene, and he took it by storm in the late 60s, early 70s, but has since disappeared for what seems to be about 20 years or so. We follow Makoto Fukamachi, uh, who is a sports reporter and photographer who specializes in mountain climbing, attempt to solve this two, two mysteries at once, the whereabouts of Habu and a 70-year-old mystery about George Mallory, who may have been the first to ever scale Mount Everest. It's never, it's not clear because he died on the way up or on the way back. But there is a camera that has a picture of his, of his exploits up there, and Fukamachi wants to find out if this guy is really the guy who did it all those years ago. The film is built into an unusual 1A, 1B, 2AB act structure, which is pretentious that I'm saying that, but I'll explain it, as the first 45 minutes is split between flashbacks of Habu Joji ascending and then descending in the competitive mountain climbing scene, that's a pun intended right there, and Fukamachi's quest to find where Habu has gone 20 years later, only for both of the stories to converge together halfway through as the two men attempt to scale Mount Everest together, each with a history of motivations pushing them forward, it's a strange sort of structure that feels very much like it's channeling the manga from which it's based, and you can sometimes see the more chapter-based episodic nature in the movie, but I don't think that's a bad thing. In fact, contrary to how I normally feel preferring to skip the exposition entirely and just learn about characters through their actions, I actually appreciated having the feeling of this shared history with these two men. It made simple, quieter moments of perseverance and strength all the more impactful because I knew what was driving them to keep going. Now, in terms of animation, Summit looks pretty astounding. The obvious thing to rave about are the mountains, and as often as, and as oftentimes you have this, 
You just have to marvel at what these animations have pulled off. Each cliffside, mountain range, peak, they all feel simultaneously picture-perfect real, as though you're, like, looking at satellite footage on your smart TV, and at the same time, monstrously imposing and individualized. No two set of mountains feels the same in Summit, and it makes the sequences where the characters scale them always very exciting. They seriously, they feel like characters in and of themselves, like they're final bosses in a video game that each of these guys have to scale, and each one of these mountains is their own set of difficulties, and you can see it. Even They don't even have to explain it in the movie. You see it how they're depicted, the cracks and the landscapes of it. It's so... I can't do it justice explaining it right now, but it's something to really appreciate. And the choreographing of these mountain climbing scenes um, is also... They're strangely action-packed. I mean, I think... It might come to come from specifically that from um, the film. It's the specificity that the film uses to such dramatic effect. It's all the little tools and knots and the motions that come from only being that can only come from being learned experiences on full display here. And I honestly feel like I learned how to mountain climb just looking at them, watching this movie. There are some great moments that I don't want to spoil where characters survive by, like, literally the skin of their teeth. And you can... And you were on the edge watching it the whole time. It's so, so cool. The character designs are also subtly pretty cool, too. They definitely lean into the slight kind of anime direction, which makes sense considering the movie's source material, but they also have a slight French style to them. It's hard to put a finger on it. I don't have any classical training in character design or any really formal training in that, but I think people will understand what I mean if they watch it. It just has that sort of French feel to it. Um, there are also moments in the... There are a few moments in the beginning where this is like nitpicks. There are a few moments in the beginning when the traveling between time story, the times, the time travel stuff, um, and flashbacks, that kind of story mechanic can get a bit confusing, as they don't outright tell you that you're going back and, like, looking at these characters. And they don't look like they've aged a lot. Um, but that is kind of quickly remedied once you catch on to the context clues hidden within character designs and conversations. I, I'm also sort of iffy on the voice acting. I watched the film in the English version, so I can't speak to what the French casting might have sounded like. But to me, the delivery of some of these lines sometimes felt a bit disconnected from what was being said. And I, I don't know much about Rich Ting and Darren Barnett's previous work. I know they both have pretty dense resumes. But voice acting can be a, diff a different beast. And it sometimes felt as though the scenes that would have been packed with emotional punches we're still stuck in the recording studio to me a little bit. No disrespect. I, I know these guys are great actors. It's just, it's tricky when you're doing it for the first time. That being said, I really, like, I wholeheartedly recommend that you check out Summit of the Gods. It's seriously one of the most impressive things I've seen in a while. With subject matter that is underexplored and deeply exciting. It's action-packed in a strange way. Um, in a way that you probably haven't seen before. And the animation, it just couldn't be better. I really, I'm going to give Summit of the Gods a 4 out of 5 right now. Um, and I, again, push yourself to go see this one. Because it's around and it's so, it's so worth your time. 
Okay, we're at 35 minutes. I'm going to talk about briefly my recommendation for this week. With the new season of Centaur World coming out <laughs> this upcoming week, I really, I recommend that you guys catch up on the first season. Um, Centaur World, I think I've already talked about this in the past, but Centaur World is made from people. I've had the, the, the real luxury and, and honor of meeting a bunch of people that have worked on this. And they are some of the nicest, most passionate people. And it, you can tell that with a show like Centaur World. They, it is coming from people that love what they do and have are so excited to express themselves in different ways. The new season of Centaur World looks great. We've got a new trailer for it that looks really fun. They've got, they're bringing, uh... They're, they've got Flula Borg is coming back. They've got, I mean, all the original cast is Kimiko Glenn, Megan Hilty, uh, Parvish, China, Chris Diamantopoulos, uh, Megan Dong. Um, Megan Dong is the creator, too. So she's there, and Josh Radner is there, and Jesse Mueller. They're all there. Um, but I just, I, I think it's so weird and funny, and I think the music actually is pretty, like, surprisingly pretty good. I don't know. Like, I'm not one for musical theaters type stuff all the time, but I, I, I you know, I've enjoyed it. I, I like, I like how the characters squish and squash, and, the, and they change, and then, I don't know, like, there's this... That fluidity to it, and I get that some people might not like that. You know, that for me, that was what I loved about Aquaman, King of King of Atlantis, and I see that same kind of thing in Centaur World. Um, some people might not like that. Some people might think that it's, you know, it's cheap or gimmicky or or I don't know. Like it, it feels like it's it's not really. You know, it's like stick to a model or whatnot. I don't mind. I think it's pretty fun. I think that the character designs are so ridiculous and weird, but I love that they're like that and that it doesn't look like anything else. I, you know, I'm always somebody who will get behind something like that, even if it doesn't pay off in the end. I, I appreciate something, somebody trying something new. And the idea that everything is a centaur, I think that's hilarious. So if you haven't, if you haven't watched Centaur World, now is the time to do it. It's there's ten episodes in season one, and then you can watch um, you can watch season two this week. They're on Netflix. They're gonna be there. You you gotta check them out while they're there. Not like they're going anywhere. There's not, it's like it's not a scarcity problem. Uh, anyway, um, I'm gonna finish it up now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Animation Podcast. Be sure to like this episode and subscribe. You can find more of my work on FilmBook. That's film-book.com. Just search for Ephraim Bernie or the Animation Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Frumblers or on Instagram at Ephraim underscore Burning. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at podcast at film-book.com with the animation podcast in the subject line. Tune in next week for the latest episode of the animation podcast and all things animation. Thank you for listening and I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the animation podcast. Find more of the animation podcast on FilmBook on your favorite podcast service and on YouTube.